Short Stories of Misadventures in Morocco, excerpts from the book With Open Arms, written and narrated by me, Matthew Felix. The Dunes I woke up in a gritty pool of sweat mixed with sand. The plan for the day was to hike to the top of the largest dune in the area. If we wanted to get there and back without being burned alive by the desert sun, we had to get an early start. On my way back from the bathroom, I knocked on Gary and Jason's door. Come in, answered Jason. I opened the door, taken aback by what I saw. Gary was as pale as a ghost and drenched in sweat. Stripped down to his underwear, it seemed to take everything he had just to prop himself up in bed. Are you all right? I asked. Oh, sure, mate. It's just a case of the shits is all. Oh, no. That sucks. I'm really sorry. I guess you're going to have to stay behind today? He won't, Jason interjected. I keep telling him we can do the climb tomorrow when he feels better, but, but he won't listen. I even offered to stay behind with him, but no way. To hell with it. I'm going with you guys and that's that. What if I die tomorrow? I don't want to die without ever having climbed Egg Chebby. Not after coming all this way and dealing with all the bullshit we had to deal with to get here, he laughed. He stood up to get ready, but suddenly had second thoughts. Actually, I think I need to head to the bathroom first. He grabbed his roll of toilet paper and pushed me out of the way, making straight for the toilets across the hall. Is he going to be all right? I asked Jason. I have no idea, but there's no way he should be hiking in the desert if he's got the runs. Well, it's his choice. Looks like it's going to be an interesting hike. The sun was just coming up as we embarked upon our foray into the dunes, light and shadow at ever-changing odds in the undulations of the desert floor. The smaller dunes nearest us were darker than the larger ones further off. Tans, golds and oranges, fiery reds. As the sun rose and our trek progressed, the sands would take on those in other colors too. Countless shades and hues. In places the sand was rippled like the surface of a pond. In others, it was littered with footprints of birds and animals now nowhere to be seen, most preferring the cool light of the moon to the scorching heat of the sun. As for our fellow humans, if anyone had been there the day before, the wind had effaced all traces of them. Our own steps grew heavier with each we took. The sand gave way beneath our weight, hindering our gait and slowing our progress. It may have cooled overnight, but the desert floor was already warm, like embers that have never completely gone out. The four of us wandered off on our own respective paths, the massive dune that was our destination looming overhead. The challenge the desert posed felt personal. Although at times the unforgiving landscape brought us together, inevitably it pushed us back apart. Each of us had to confront it on our own terms. Occasionally the desert deceived us. From one side, a dune might appear to show the way, only to drop off precipitously when we got to the top. When that happened, all we could do was turn around and look for another route. The trek was hard enough for me, in good health. I couldn't imagine what it must have been like for Gary. Jason never strayed too far ahead of him, frequently looking over his shoulder to make sure his friend was doing all right. Relieving himself before we left had taken the pressure off Gary's intestines. For a while. Now, even halfway to the summit, the rumbling started again, weakening his entire body. Undeterred, he kept going, doing everything in his power to ignore the war being waged on his insides. His indomitable resolve notwithstanding, he was fighting a losing battle. Don't look back, he yelled. What? asked Jason, turning to look and instantly regretting it. Gary had dropped his pants. Don't look back, just keep walking, I gotta go! 
As much as he abhorred the idea of defecating in the dunes, Gary had no choice. What's up? Peter shouted to Jason. He's got to go. Don't look back. I couldn't hear what they were saying and turned to find Gary's tragic image far below. Amidst astonishingly beautiful, unsullied waves of sand, a lone figure squatted, holding a roll of toilet paper. It was a peculiar, paradoxical sight. It was also a hilarious one. Knowing I was too far away to be seen or heard, much like Gary himself, I couldn't hold back. I burst into laughter, my own side soon hurting almost as badly as his. I was the first to arrive at the base of the biggest dune. Although I should have been covered in sweat, as I paused to catch my breath, I realized that in the dry heat, my perspiration was evaporating as soon as it surfaced on my skin. Reminded of the need to stay hydrated, I took out my water bottle and looked behind me. Peter and Jason were both scaling the dune below, and Gary was on another not far behind. I turned my attention back to my own ascent. A sheer wall of sand rising up before me, there was no easy way to the top. I would have to climb on all fours until I got to the lower end of the spine, which I could then follow up to the summit. After another drink of water, I began scrambling towards the top. I didn't look up. I didn't want to know how far I had left to go. Instead, I concentrated on repeating my movements with as much economy as possible, my hands and feet sinking deep into the unstable sand over and over again. It was tough going, but I continued climbing, knowing that as long as I kept at it, I'd be to the crest in no time. When I finally made it, I was astonished by what I saw. The smooth line demarcating where one side of the dune ended and the other began was extraordinarily precise. I didn't want to touch it. It pained me to think of defiling such perfection. I thought of the Buddhist monks who spend days meticulously rendering their sand mandalas, only to wipe them away in a dramatic testimony to impermanence. Sadly, if I wanted to see what was on the other side, I had no choice. I hoisted my weary body onto the spine, consoling myself that by morning the wind would erase all signs of my having been there. One leg over each side of the crest, the soft sand now comforting ally as opposed to challenging adversary, I beheld an expansive dune so vast it defied the imagination. Calling it a sea of sand no longer seemed cliché. That was exactly what it was, its massive, successive golden waves rolling for as far as the eye could see. When I got up to follow the spine to the summit, I looked down again at my friends. Almost there, I hollered to Peter. Jason was just behind him, but Gary had lost a lot of ground. I hoped we hadn't made a mistake by letting him come along. The spine gradually sloped up towards the highest point of the dune. My walk felt like a victory march, and I savored each step as I continued to contemplate the staggering beauty visible in all directions. Even the bright blue sky was one of the most enthralling I had ever seen. Peter joined me on the summit not long after. Wow, he said, taking a seat. It's just incredible. I turned to check on the others. Jason was just arriving at the crest a short distance below. Gary, on the other hand, had once again been waylaid. Uh-oh, better just keep looking forward, guys. Again? asked Jason, his voice pained. No way, Peter exclaimed. Like witnesses to a train wreck, we couldn't help but look. It was every bit as tragic this time as it had been the first. Poor guy, said Peter. I told him not to come, I told him, Jason lamented. But then, out of nowhere, a laugh escaped him. 
He hadn't even seen it coming. He hadn't laughed before. Now, though, seeing it all again, the vulgar anomaly in such stark contrast with the breathtaking beauty, the irony was too much, the vision too absurd. He couldn't help it. Having essentially given voice to something Peter and I were thinking, but too afraid to say, all three of us burst into laughter. My eyes were soon so full of tears I could no longer see out of them. By the time we stopped, Gary had regained enough strength to begin the final ascent. Somehow he had come this far, and nothing was going to stop him from making it all the way to the top. I just hoped we didn't have to bury him there. While we took in the spectacular panorama, slowly but surely Gary pushed himself higher and higher. Eventually, having given it everything he had, he threw one hand over the dune spine, followed by the other. Then, with one final decisive heave, he pulled his head over it too. Peter, Jason, and I all looked over in response to the grunt heralding Gary's arrival. His pathetic image, even more comical than before, we all broke into another wave of laughter, rushing over to help him make the final jaunt to the summit. There was no need to ask how he was feeling. He looked like someone who'd been stranded on a desert island for years. He was even thinner than when we had met two days before, and as pale as a corpse. The hair both on top of his head and in his beard matted with an unsightly paste of sand and sweat. He was not in good shape, but he had made it. Once we finished celebrating Gary's arrival and calmed back down, we all fell silent. Even someone hopelessly out of touch with their feelings, or woefully lacking any sense of something greater, would have been hard-pressed not to feel a profound reverence for creation, for our place in it, for its humbling, awe-inspiring mystery.